Hey, you. Thanks for being a valued listener of Remedial Herstory. Please consider subscribing so we can keep bringing you content. I wanted to let you know about a few things we offer beyond the podcast. If you love what we're talking about here, then you are going to love the Remedial Herstory Master's Classes we have linked in the show notes and on our website. We have three courses, one on pedagogy, U.S. history, and world history, and of course, talking about women in all of those contexts. We also have an annual Summer Educators Retreat, which is in person. Details about that are on our website. Our website is also packed with learning materials, including articles for every era of U.S. and world history that we built with a collaboration of over 20 historians. We also have lesson plans for elementary, middle, and high school that involve analysis of primary source material and get students doing history. We also have a video series that goes along with that. All of this is only possible because of the generous contributions from our patrons. You can also support Remedial Herstory at remedialherstory.com giving or by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash remedialherstory. Thanks for helping us make herstory. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Brooke. Want to tell everyone what's happening in today's episode? Well, we've been on this kick talking about pedagogy, talking about controversial issues. And so today we're going to talk about whether or not teachers should share their opinions. Oh, this is good. Let's yeah. get into it. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%, the podcast that explores what happened to the women in history class. Now, here's your host, Kelsey Brooke Eckert, and her partner in crime, Brooke Neva Sullivan. Brooke, yeah. sharing opinions. Mm. This is really tough, and people are all over. I imagine you have some hot takes on this, Kelsey. Oh, you know, it's... I. I feel like really mixed things about it. Um, but I think w- how I'd like to start it talking about this is I'd like to ask you, I think people think that when you share your opinions in the class, students are going to hear it and they're going to go, oh, and they're going to like change their minds about something. Um, and it'll be educational and transformative. <laughs> and Did you just talk about miracles? <laughs> right. So I'm curious, like, has such a miracle ever happened to you in your own educational experience? Like, was there a time that you can think of where you had an opinion about something and the teacher said something and you went, oh, I've been thinking about that wrong? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question. I think I've had probably a lot of moments. I have some, some great examples from different educators in my career, in my life. But there's one that stands out. I obviously deeply loved English, why I wanted to be an English educator. And I had a a, um, teacher in high school who taught freshman English, and then I had him again um, through journalism. So you could be on the school paper from Mm -hmm. freshman or from sophomore year, I think, till senior year. And you had to like apply to get into this class, and they only select a few people. And so Mr. Fabry, or what the girls' soccer team like to call him, Mr. Babry, um, <laughs> poor guy, <laughs> poor guy, L- lovely human. Um, one of everyone's favorite teachers, just pretty chill, laid back individual. He was very low key. Yeah. And so, but very smart. And so students would listen to him because he didn't have to force it down your throat. It was just, you'd come in and you'd be like, well, that's dumb. We're moving yeah. on to this. Like, yeah. You know, it was really good. One of those people, like people of few words. So when they did speak. Exactly. It was and, yeah. and deeply knowledgeable about the topics he was talking about. 
but he also had this like he he coached boys soccer at our school and um he just kind of had this great presence about him he looks like george clooney um so that helped him a lot in the classroom yeah we didn't have a lot of male teachers so that was another thing as a high school educator it was nice to have have him in the english classroom and then in journalism so the moment that i'm thinking about i mean i was pretty goofy in high school pretty outgoing you didn't stop talking ever um pretty much a motor mouth and i was (laughs) i was in his term (laughs) oh man it was bad um, I, you know, undiagnosed ADHD is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so anyway, so I'm in his classroom and we're talking about mice and men, which most, yeah. you know, freshman courses, classic, classic literature, yep. great book about the great depression. You know, you have George and Lenny. Um, well, anyways, we're talking about, and I didn't really know much about the great depression at the time. And I'm learning about it both in English and in history at the same time. And, um, he kind of broke our brains a little bit of like the female experience in that moment. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're reading this book of mice and men and men, you know, losing their jobs and what that does to them. And, um, Mas- you know, threat yeah. to masculinity too. Oh, totally. Right? And yeah. like the, the, the typical, you know, at the time America had all these very formed what a family looks like in the family unit and, and, you know, he's like a lot of women became single mothers in this moment. Mm. And we talked a lot about the female perspective and it was really interesting and something I had never really thought about that experience of at a time when women couldn't get what they needed or couldn't have what they wanted and um, couldn't apply for bank loans, couldn't go own their own house. They couldn't um, pay their bills because their husband's name was on the account. Like all these things where women were really less. Was he like putting his opinions like on this? Or no, like- he was just like presenting this moment. Yeah. And, and not necessarily injecting his opinion, but he kind of, it, it was pretty sad. You know, it was a very sad image of American culture and history at the time. Yeah. And he basically was like, can you imagine that happening? It still happens today. And what does that feel like for what, you know, and he, it wasn't, he was very empathetic yeah. to the women that were in this movement. Yeah. And to me to have a male the moment. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and to have a male, you know, teacher talking about that, talking about that, showing real deep empathy towards this circumstance made me realize that men do think about these things. Mm. And it broke my brain a little bit to think that I have this really great teacher yeah. that's painting a picture that wasn't in this book. Right. And then he he's brought, going beyond it. He's going yeah. beyond the book. To bring in yeah. insights. From. And he looks like George Clooney and everyone likes him. So it was wow. hard to look away. Wow. Yeah. And this I was like, guy. am I Julia Roberts in this moment? <laughs> um, no, it was really good. He just kind of presented ideas and he left them out there and then asked our own opinions. Like, what do you think? Wouldn't that be hard? Wouldn't that yeah. be tough? Wouldn't that be hard to live through? And and I could see you being like, they need to suck it up and like work out. I don't know. Like you're kind of a tough chick. And I, I could am, see that like and helping it, break your brain about well, that. you just hear about women at that time, like just owning their shit and doing it. And I didn't realize, like, actually, the government's kind of working against them in this time, wasn't yeah. really helping them yeah. get what they needed. And I didn't realize so many men had abandoned their family units because of how hard it was. How hard it was. Yeah. And so, just something I didn't really yeah. know, didn't understand. Yeah. He injected a little bit of his own empathy and his, yeah. his own, you know, thoughts and feelings. Compassion. Compassion. Yeah. So, I think that's. That's actually really – so that changed your view on something. And I 
I don't know how many moments I've had with educators where I went zero to 60 on so because the example that you just brought up is kind of interesting because it's a it's something that's kind of you're already inclined towards and he just opened your world a little bit more yeah. to that like you know you already are a pretty empathetic person but you also are and you're also interested in women's issues and and things like sure. that so and you know you're an HR manager now so oh like, my gosh you know, I so like labor well, and, yeah, yeah there's so like, many layers there there's so many layers that he probably just flipped a light switch on for a person that the light switch was half on and already. So yeah, that's really great. But I think my love for that moment was seeing the men in the classroom or the boys at that time, you know, 15, yeah. 13, 14, 15 year olds, freshman in high school. And um, they're like, wait, the guys just left. Yeah. They just good. all left their families yeah. and they're breaking their brains a little bit. Yeah. We're all just kind of like, what the, yeah, like what, what is happening right now? And right. it's like, it was just this moment where, you know, we had learned up until this point, like American family and you have like the Norman Rockwell paintings and all this other stuff that like really paint these Clearly. beautiful pictures yeah, and of these moments that people pulled up the, by the bootstraps and they got themselves together. And it's like, actually, no, this is a really dark period in America. Yeah. yeah. And financial mm -hmm. wellness has a huge impact on and relationships and, and careers. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So it was just really good. That's really neat. And I, I think it's illustrative of what I'd like to. I think to share, you know, it's kind of funny. We're talking about sharing opinions and essentially this is an opinion question from an experienced educator because I was reading this study the other day that was talking about, you know, teaching the importance of teaching about women in history class is to help students not only think about women and in the past, but also to promote, like there's a feminist goal here, mm -hmm. which is to promote gender equity, Right. And so there was the example in this study that I was reading was this um, teacher was teaching about um, marketing campaigns in the 1950s that were really sexist. And I'm sure many of you have seen these types of images. And if you haven't, Google it. Like ads, just Google ads from the 1950s. And you will find <laughs> these horrendously sexist ads. All I think about is that if anyone's seen the Mona Lisa smile, the movie, yeah. she brings them up. She brings them up. Yeah. Like it's a bra, like, it's a great... like a bra to set you free or something. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen one. It's like a, it's like a coffee can, like a coffee advertisement. And it's like, you know, if your wife's not using this, like she's a, like a failure and you should beat her. And da -da -da. oh God. And there's ones where like literally the husband is spanking his wife and she's like smiling and you're like, I've seen those. those yeah. It is aggressive. It's, I mean, it's literally abuse. Like they're promoting domestic abuse in the home. And so this poor teacher is trying to teach students about this period and about how, you know, there is such overt sexism. And women are so disadvantaged. And there was a male student in her class that like was like, I don't see that. I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, and so she busted out these ads. Yeah. And really pressed him to like look at these. And it changed his his perspective and view. I, I think what changed his view was not that she shared her opinion, but that she shared evidence with him yeah. and she showed it's you know because she started with her opinion she said you know women are disadvantaged in these ways and the kid's like um not i'm not with you and so similar to the way that like your teacher sort of walked you all through that 
He's showing you all of this evidence. And so I think in the movement towards like being anti-racist and being anti-sexist, we need to make sure that that is driven by evidence because that's what mm-hmm. people that's what people are persuaded by. Well, yeah, because how can you, if you're just putting things out into the universe, anytime you just say something, if you can't tie it back to a deep value or a metric yeah. or real hard evidence, why is anyone going to believe you? Right. I think what's really hard. I find this when I've. I think we forget that there's like these psychological flaws or challenges that we all have where when you've thought something so much, it's now obvious and your brain, like your brain, like when you first think something, your brain has to like put all these synapses together. It has to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. But then once you've thought that thing a bunch of times, it's actually just like, it becomes like a dirt road. Then it's a, you know, state highway. Then it's a federal (laughs) highway. You know, like it it becomes this like super highway with 27 lanes and you, you have that trigger idea and it's zero to 60. You're already at the end result. And you haven't brought people along when you're building the road. Right. So if you're, you know, (laughs) anti-racist educator, anti-sexist educator, you're, it's sort of like your default is, Women remain underprivileged and they're not equal and there's a million ways and can you all just accept that so we can move forward? And it's like, I don't think 15-year-olds have enough life experience or evidence to know that that's still true. Mm -hmm. And for them, they're like, they, you know, they're like, well, that was in the past, in the ancient past of 20 years ago. And, you know, <laughs> well, and it's like, t- you're basically coming into a classroom and you're, you're making sweeping assumptions about the level that your students are at in yeah. their, in their development, understanding and experiences. And so then you're saying, I'm no longer as an educator going to meet you where you're at. I'm just going to drive from here right. and catch up if you can. And like, you can't bring anyone along and they walk out of that classroom so overwhelmed, mm-hmm. some depressed because they don't know what you're talking about. They don't feel confident to have discussions in your room because they're not sure where to step because you've made an assumption they should already know. Yeah. And then, you know, now you've disrupted your entire classroom. Yeah. And sometimes you see that. And I feel like you probably have seen this as an educator. You can see the glazed donut look that they get. Yeah. Right. It's just like the hole in the mouth is open and the eyes are just glassy. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I got to walk it back here. Yeah. Let me present some evidence. Let me bring this forward. Well, and I think, you you know, glazed perhaps, but I also have experienced things where it's like an immediate rea- like shutdown. Oh, like an because- opposition to your, your opinion. Yeah. So – I'll, this is a real story that happened to me. Uh, so I taught um, high school, junior year history, U.S. history. And that summer, I worked really hard on like a redesign of the decor in my classroom. Oh, look at and you. this was uh, fall 2020. And I put – I wanted to have more black figures represented on the walls of my classroom because I – you know, obviously that's important and I wanted yeah. to do that. So I grabbed a quote from Ida B. Wells Barnett, and I'm going to butcher it, something about, you know, if you want to, you know, change things, shed the light of truth on it, right? And she, it's something to that effect. And so I put that quote on the wall um, with her picture, and I it was kind of on a chalkboard type thing. And so I, I drew like a black, like a, like a fist to go with it because it it's very much a like – Very powerful. She's talking about lynchings in particular. So she's like, if you want to like end this – 
Like, yeah, here you go. He, here's how you do it. Like, let's show them that it's happening, you know? And it's powerful. Um, and That's to me, you image. know, it's, it's a period before really the black power movement. Is, oh, yeah, is like, what it is. And that the fist raised but, but yet, is, that's a, is an aggressive Im- image. Yeah, and that's what she's doing. So here I am thinking, like, look at me. I'm involving a black person. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm quoting them. I'm giving them representation in my classroom. This is a really great thing that I'm doing. And first day of class comes, a super conservative kid from a f- probably Fox News watching family. Aww. Walked into my classroom, saw that on the wall, walked right back out, went to the guidance counselor's office, and dropped my class. Whoa. Didn't even give you a chance. Not even a shot. He didn't know what I thought about that quote. He didn't know what that fist meant. He didn't know. But he made a very quick assumption snapshot based off of an image he saw in your classroom. Yeah. And when I think about all the kids in that particular junior class that needed me as their teacher the most it was that kid yeah and i didn't even get a chance i didn't even get a chance with him i didn't get a shot that's unfortunate because you do you put things up like that in your room to bring inclusion you know it's like if you hang uh, a trans flag or if you hang the rainbow flag or if you put up you know different things about different uh, movements going on you hope it brings about dialogue and a discussion and yep. inclusion and you hope kids feel accepted and welcome. Yep. You think I think we we miss a lot and this is probably what we're talking about now is bringing people along who do have differing opinions because when we put up those symbols or those images now we're putting ourselves in direct opposition of someone who feels differently too. Right. And I, like I you know I didn't really I didn't get a chance with him. So I don't know what he was opposed to, but that like he specifically referenced that, that thing on my wall, and I don't think that the message is don't put black figures up in your room. No, but and I think it was the fist in particular that he was concerned about because it has modern implications with like Black Lives Matter and sure. movements that clearly his family is opposed to. And my point is not don't speak up for Black Lives Matter. Black Lives fucking matter. Like that, you know, like that's not- (laughs) Welcome to this room. We talk about Black Lives. (laughs) Right. Like, but the point is what, you know, I, I, I walk this line all the time because yes, I want my students of color. I want my students, uh, you know, who are, um, non-binary and, you know, whatever to feel like they're in a safe space in my classroom. But I want- everyone to feel that way, including this kid. And I think he walked in and said, I'm going to be attacked in here. I'm not going to be able to share my opinions in this space because here's, you know, an educator with a master's degree who's going to. Yep. Who has different ideologies and opinions than I do. Yeah. We're actually doing this in the workforce right now. I had a really incredible conversation with some colleagues in human resources um, about creating safe environments. And someone actually posed the question, well, who are safe environments for? Mm Mm-hmm. Because we can't alienate those who um, feel, you know, very strongly in different opinions politically or are opposed. Like, safety is for all. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah. And how do we create an inclusive environment without alienating those who have ma- very strong opinions or feel differently? Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about this in through the Roe v. Wade movements recently at, in the workforce and 
companies that came out with public statements and ones that didn't. And what does that say? And so, you know, you're putting your opinion out there and you're hoping that it's speaking to the audience that you're hoping to attract. Mm-hmm. But what is it doing to those you're alienating as well? Right. Through yeah. those actions. And I think as an educator, you probably have to think about this all the time. Yeah. And I think – so I think the other thing that's tricky is I am confident that if I had gotten that kid to sit in my room and hear me speak for a minute <laughs> – If you're not confident, I'll tell you I'm confident in you to figure that out. Um. I think I actually could have found common ground with this person. Sure. Um, and and I think that's what I'm good at doing with my students. You know, this this I it, it hurt. It broke my heart that I like lost somebody that I didn't get a chance to say anything to. Yeah. And I think that the tricky thing that we have to remember is that values. You know, part of the goal of public education is to help establish, like, community or cultural values that we have in in young people. And what's really hard is that family values are really different from family to family. And I think – so when someone – you know, in my role now as a coordinator for social studies ed, teaching future social studies teachers – you know, the question, this is a question that like I have to think about is, do I empower my future social studies teachers to share their opinions in classrooms? And I think what's scary is like, I don't know what all of my students think about every given issue. And so a a question that like, I want you teachers to think about is, if you think you should be allowed to share your opinions, are you okay with someone who has the opposite political views from you also sharing your, their opinions in the classroom? Mm. And if you are, then fine, go ahead and share your opinion. But I think we often justify, as teachers, we often justify sharing our own opinions because we think that what we're saying is universally accepted, but that's actually like a psychological flaw that we all have where mm. like we all think – um, I forget what it's called, but it's like you assume that everyone around you agrees with you. And that's actually not necessarily true. And I, you know, I'm sure you've all like been to parties or something where someone's sharing their opinion, but you don't say anything. And then you get in the car afterwards and you're like, oh my God, can you believe that person thought that? Like, that's crazy. But they didn't get to hear you say, I think you're wrong. You know? <laughs> I, yeah. And I also think we've talked about this before too, is, is, Giving students the tools to have meaningful dialogue and challenge one another respectfully as adults, I think a lot of adults have not learned those tools and techniques. And in that similar, and we that might it, employ it in a professional setting, but not in a social one. We don't. And you're that example you just gave. You're at a party. Someone says something. We should say, "I I don't actually agree with you, and I don't want my silence to make you think I do." Yeah, but I actually don't want to debate with you right now. Because this isn't the setting. This isn't the setting, but I I just don't want you to think walking away from this, oh, Kelsey feels this way or, oh, Brooke feels this way. Yeah. Because I don't agree with you. And there has to be a way that we as adults can say those things without breaking a friendship or or losing a social circle because it's, it, there, 
we have to start doing these harder conversations with our peers and colleagues versus like reposting something on social and right. just assuming everyone that follows you accepts it. It's right. like also people have unfollowed you that you may not. Which I'm totally know. okay. Please unfollow me. Yeah. Do all the unfollowing. Um, <laughs> if you don't agree with my opinion, I'd rather you'd be gone. I only like pro pro Brooke people in my life. But I think, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is I think sometimes we think our ideas are universally agreed on and they're not necessarily. And so here, like for the purposes of our podcast, we're talking about women, right? And so I think an assumption that you and I might make is that women's rights are obvious. Feminism is obvious. I know. Sometimes I never back into that. They're like, ah. And like when, some, when someone says to me, they're like, what do you mean women aren't equally presented in a classroom? I'm like, not even close. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's talk. And I want to break it all down with them. I'm like, how much time, how much do, time do we have? We have a hundred and whatever episodes <laughs> yeah, on our podcast. Anytime I walk into those, those, the, those comments like that, I'm just like, mm, okay. Yeah. But I, but I think, you know, expand on that. Like to me, abortion rights are obvious because the data shows it. It's like you either want women to die or you don't. Like, and, I like, know. I, and and when, to me, it's that black and white. But Well, that's got you there. on your federal high rise. Right. I'm, all, I'm on the highway. Like I've already done all the steps. I've made the connections between, yeah. you know, like – women having, you know, like, like, you know, having doctors yeah. available to them, abortion clinics nearby, you know, like I have been through birth. I know what it's like to literally bleed for six months. Yeah, you, like, have, mul- you have multiple like, perspectives. The spider web is huge. The highway is well paved. There's a lot of lighting and there's 16 car lanes. Yeah. Like we, we know you're there. And it's interesting when you meet someone who's still on a dirt road in that conversation. Yep. And and how do you bring them along without putting your own yeah. opinion in something you're so deeply passionate about? Yeah. That is so challenging as an educator. I can't imagine being in a classroom and you have that that car lane, that speeding highway. Yeah. And your students are still like riding tricycles or unicycles yeah. on a dirt road. <laughs> well, and I think abortion is a really tricky one because I think I think the way that politicians have – Weaponized it. Weaponized it is you either want babies to live or you want – I don't – I I mean, we could talk about hypocrisy for days. Yeah. But Um, I think think what's what's tricky – like, yeah, I'm on this super highway and I've got to like pause and bring people along. But I think this is the thing that I I want people to understand is it's – when you start talking about particular issues, I think that's where it gets kind of tricky as yeah. an educator. Well, you're I bet you can list a, the top five that like, yeah, here's here's what's dicey. Yeah. And if you assume to tackle it, I mean, what is, that's what I think about. Like you're preparing educators to go out in the classroom. Yeah. And if you want to empower them to use their opinions. Yeah. Letting them know these are the five topics that are going to trigger your students. Yeah. Let's talk about how you are going to come and show up into that classroom yeah. and, and yeah. feel inclusive. Yep. Open, yep, and that their your students are walking away with real data and information. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, so. There's a there's a study that talks about um, skirting around feminism in the classroom, and you know, doing inquiry, um, you know, using multiple perspectives, analyzing sources. Those are the ways that teachers are talking about these things without talking about these things, and. 
Well, yeah, because if They're, you come in, you're like, welcome to the feminist class. Yeah. Like, the, you know, yeah. uh, I but would I imagine there's like, you like, like and the, you that kid's going to unsubscribe. <laughs> if you agree with me on abortion and you think like, yes, you should be allowed to share your opinion in class about abortion, then I want you to understand that you are saying, therefore, that someone who is pro-life and anti-abortion is also then permitted to share their perspective. And that scares me, you know, like, so that's why I think we have to be conscious of that. We also need to appreciate that values aren't necessarily universal. Right. And there are things that like, you know, so, so here's a good, here's a, here's a good example. I was in the classroom on January 7th, the day after the January 6th, you know, attack on the Capitol. Mm. And the question is like, should I, what do I say about that? And I had people who, uh, you know, they're students, so they didn't, I don't think they could vote for Trump, but supported Trump and were sad that he lost and all Just of Just as four years earlier. Right. Well, so that's uh, exactly. So what I decided to do is that my position on January 7th is not do you like Trump or do you not? No, you know, yeah. my position is not Biden won, so suck it up. You know, like <laughs> like that that can't be the opinion that you share. You didn't wear your Biden, your, right? So, your Joe Schmo. So I had to back up to like what is the universally agreed upon thing that Americans can unite under right now? Hmm. And right, and like, is there a thing right now that we can agree on? And I think one of the things is that. The American system of democracy is the, at least factually, is the longest standing democracy in world history. And yeah. that democracy is good. And if we, and if that's something in a democracy that is at least one of our values that we want to teach people, that's what I should place. stand by. Yeah. And so January 7th, when a student is upset about Trump and wanting to be like, yeah, let's attack the Capitol, I have to say that's not democracy. And democracy, so you can you can support Trump, you, you can, can support whoever you want, you can do anything. In I mean, we're very legal close to Vermont, yeah. <laughs> where we live. The Bernies were upset too, okay? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's like democracy wins like yeah this is how it goes and you can do everything within your legal rights sure to to test to make sure and and like if the election was stolen because i support democracy i also will be furious right yes. because i support democracy but right now i don't have any evidence that that's true and in this classroom we value evidence-based Based. decisions mm. and so that kid who's a trumper is now like, now I'm getting him to think a little bit more deeply about the position they have. Yeah. And all right, if I'm going to come to this classroom, I'm going to voice my opinion. I better be, I better bring the receipts. <laughs> yeah. And, and then if that student says, screw democracy, I want my guy to win. Then I say, okay, so would you have supported Democrats doing the same thing four years earlier, to your point, because screw democracy, they wanted Hillary to win. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, Hillary won the majority vote, but 
we don't, that's not how our system works. Right. Our system <laughs> is based on an electoral college and, you know, and like that's right or the wrong. system. Right that's or wrong. That's the system. And that's the system. So, you know, and like, you know, we could debate as a class, did Hillary do the right thing by showing up to Trump's inauguration and standing by and mm-hmm. supporting him as he was, you know, as he became the president because he won and the he won based on our system. And like, yep. that's how it works. And, you know, and like there were Democrats that year that were just as frustrated. So I think if like I think a place when we have a two party system the way we do, it's those are going to be we're going to be teachers that are debating these things as long as you're an educator. Right. So I think what I think the space to share your opinion is back up and make sure that the thing you do share is either a universal value. Yep. Something that aligns. Right. Because, you know, we're not all going to agree on abortion, but I think we all should agree that we should respect women. And if, like, you know, so if you can, well, and that, cause it's or your, right, your right to choose. Like, you can even go and shouldn't you as an individual in America be able to choose your own health care? Yep. Choose who treats you, touches you. Is part because we value independence as yeah. Americans. We value yeah. freedom. So it's like, okay, if we universally value those things, how does that show up in action? Right. And what does that look like? And maybe for you, abortion is an exception to that. And I want you to I want you work to work through that. through that logic for yourself. Yeah. You know, and like why and where and you know, whatever. But I think yeah, it, back it up to something universal. And, you know, respect for women looks different in every family, in every culture. Oh, yeah. And, like, if – but but let's orient it at respect. And I think that's a universal value. You yeah, know, conservatives value and, talk about yeah. respect. Liberals talk about respect. It looks different in the way that they're talking about it, but they're still talking about the same word. Yep. Um. So I want to I end with a – Yeah, a, let's bring, it, another home. bring an, it home. Another anecdote for you. I had a student who, in tw- you know, on this theme of 2016, um, female student, super Trumper, um, wore her Trump shirts every day to class, uh, very conservative ideas, and my attitude towards her was sort of the same that I have about most students. Is just You're a better human than me. <laughs> what? Um, back it up. Yeah, bring, Back it up. bring the facts. Where's the evidence? Where's the data? Talk me through. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come at her with my super highway. Okay, so, you know, people need to pull themselves up from their bootstraps. I mean, let's, if you're coming with that with yeah. that representation yourself, if you're coming with that energy, and I will say it the same way too. You have a lot of liberal students too that come with, yep, some swinging energy. If you're coming in with it, yep, then you're gearing up to have a dialogue. So you need to prepare yourself. If you don't want to have that, then you need to decide how you're showing up today. Is yeah. it open-minded and willing to learn or is it opinionated and you got facts? Because yeah. you can't come in swinging yeah. if you don't have facts. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, my liberal students drive me nuts because they're so passionate about like equity or whatever, but it's very passion-centered. And I'm like, and the evidence is. is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. So, it's one of those things that I deal with in my own workforce is like, we should do unconscious bias training. We should do this kind of training. We should do religious freedom training. And it's like, I'm all here for the training. Here's where I want – what is it going to do to our culture? Yeah. Why do we want to have it? Yep. How do I show that it's going to bring forward value for the business? Yep. Because at the end of the day, we don't just serve people. We serve a business. Yep. We serve stakeholders. 
you got to bring the things that are going to tell me that this is something I need to prioritize in this moment. Yep. Yep. And people are like, well, it's just good business. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Right. (laughs) I can't get funding for projects because it's good business. As much as I would love to do all of those things. Yeah. I need facts. Yeah. So this kid, I – do what I do. Really, fo- they, I, you know, they did a big research project in my class. Had to pull lots of different sources and whatever to like to, to like prove it. I worked with them on their argumentation a lot, and had a great relationship with them. But that's where it ended. And they graduated high school a year or two later, and never saw them. And then about four years later, I got an email from them. Love so love, random. Love a good email. Love a good email. It's like two pages long, like committed email. Mm. That they changed their major to history with a concentration in women's studies. Shut it down. They are working for the Democratic Party now. And I I'm went, getting goosebumps. What kid? Who is this? Not that kid. That can't she be like possible. She like pull out an old yearbook. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? She's like, I just wanted to thank you for, you know, like the way that you taught class and changed my view on things I'm and cry. opened Aww. me up to women's lives and blah, 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 blah. And like my goal is not like I think you can tell like I'm not like I'm going to convert you all to liberals or something like that. Like that's not that's not She has goal, that on a t-shirt. Just but so you know. I am going to make <laughs> that I'm going to convert them to <laughs> We should make that no, a t-shirt. But I think, you know, and this is anecdotal, like do with it what you want. And sh- yeah. you might have 12 examples of people who didn't make that around but every like, teacher listening to this which are so many have this moment where they had a, a, chi- a child student whatever in their classroom that was opposed to their own beliefs mm-hmm. you gotta still teach them yep they're still there yep bring them with you and they need you the most and they'll send you an email two years later that they've changed to women's history no. and the sad part is maybe they won't and you just have to, like, trust that you did the right thing by that person. Yeah. You're trying to build a good citizen. Yeah. That's your role. You're That's, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, there there are scholars out there that I think would say I'm skirting around, like, really hard-hitting feminism. No way. I think you're actually going right at it in a, in a way that you can support. Yeah. And that students can get behind as well. Like, no yeah. one feels attacked. Yep. Everyone feels supported. I think you're going at it the exact right diplomatic way that an educator should. Oh, well, thanks. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Kelsey, this was good. All right. Brooke, thanks. Thanks, Kelsey. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to bring more voices to the conversation. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.